Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast. We are a medicinal mushroom company on the island of Phuket, Thailand. But today we have Spirit Tree. Uh, this is a Kratom drink. It's not a sponsor. We're just actually going to have some fun today and drink a bunch of Kratom on the podcast and see what happens. Um, today we're going to be interviewing Ty Emery. She was at BKFC. She had a vicious knockout. Uh, let's call it a flash no knockout, no pun intended. Um, so without further ado, we're going to get this podcast started. I'm already talking a million miles a minute. This stuff, it works. So, um, thanks Ty for joining us. Actually, you know what? Let, let's just be casual. You've, she's been on the podcast before. I'll leave a link somewhere here. You can go watch that. It's more about like her journey, her life experience and what brought her to Phuket and got her into, um, not just the LFL, but MMA and, uh, eventually moving down to, uh, the Tiger Muay Thai street. Um, first, can you just explain a bit about these drinks though? I mean, so I have the red one. I feel like I just did a nose beer. A nose beer. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like something I'm interested in. Um, so this is actually still an opioid um, mm. because Kratom is an opioid. Uh, I first was introduced to Kratom when I was living in the Muay Thai gyms. Um, we would get like 30 leaves and we would uh, we'd crush them up and roll them up in our hands and then you'd soak them underwater, you'd boil the water, we'd then strain all the, the leaves out, which would leave us you know, with like a tea sort of thing. Um, then we would mix the cough syrup in as well as Coca-Cola. So this is when I was first introduced to Kratom, just jungle style uh, with all the Muay Thai trainers. And I remember them all like, you know, I was drinking it. I remember talking like a million miles an hour and everyone being like, <laughs> you know, and I just, I remember thinking, this is awesome. This is a great drink. Always gave me good focus, always helped me in training. Um, but there was always sometimes, um, I guess, like a little bit of looking down on it just because it is something that's, you know, people will hide, you know, people want to hide like smoking weed. You but know, what's, that what's its purpose? It. Like it, it's it's an opiate to kind of calm the nerves or because I feel right now it's it's more like a stimulant. Like I want to get out of this chair and maybe go for a run. Well, see, the one that we've actually drank, <coughs> the red one, is the strongest. Uh, and this one is meant to be equal to, like, having a line of cocaine. So maybe that's... That's the nose beer, yeah. That's the nose beer. That's, <laughs> what, that's the reaction you're getting out of it. Um, these are for focus. They're all also, obviously, for pain relief, inflammation. They can uh, uh, help to cleanse your liver as well. So I think for a lot of people maybe wanting to get off certain substances or alcohol or cigarettes they can use this more as a replacement as well um it, it can be used for energy uh, or you know, like i said focus as well um also i found like it it gives me the same burn that an l-carnitine would so i was What's using l-carnitine is um l-carnitine is a supplement used uh that can attach itself to the fat molecule uh, and like then an put into acid. the bloodstream and used as energy. Um, so, yeah, you know, so more similar to that. Um, but these ones gave me that same sort of heat when I was just before training, and it, it honestly just allowed me to to focus. And I think when you're focused in training, the, you can enter into that flow state more, and you just get more out of it because you're completely thinking of you know, inside your body, how you're feeling, you're not thinking of anything else. And I think that's when you can get the best training sessions out. 
So I started getting a lot of these just because, one, I'm getting punched in the head. So it was quite nice to have something that could, I guess, take that brain fog away. And that's what Kratom um, with Spiritry can do. Um, uh, this, this is one of my sponsors. Mm-hmm. They met me when I was down at Powerhouse, actually through the first Fruiting Body podcast when we were talking about the mushrooms and the Kratom. Um, and then Michael came down from Spirit Tree and, and hooked me up with a few of these. Um, and then obviously they've supported me ever since. They came down to my fight as well. So we've had, you know, one of the best friendships and now business relationships as well. Um, but I do. I think that Kratom is such a, it's such a safer way um, for people to get high. I think, you know, we've really pushed alcohol for so many years and now we have these other more natural safer things that we can turn to so like why aren't we doing Do you, that is the here, let's just hold this up i want to see this okay <laughs> the difference here is you're saying that's the strong one i don't know if the camera can see that but yeah absolutely like um this one is much more dark it's much darker this is lighter so i mean that's a pretty good indication it's much stronger what am, like what is there a certain threshold um for this stuff and again just to reiterate to anyone listening this is not a let's say it's not a sponsored podcast i we're drinking kratom we're going to talk about kratom let's we're (laughs) i'm generally interested in it i I didn't have they sent it to me maybe when you came on the podcast and then i connected you to them i tried it once at the gym i found it quite euphoric yeah um and and these two these two are better than the original so from that focus I've found I get more out of the red and green ones. Um, it's helped me also kick off my coffee addiction. But, yeah, it's more the f- – honestly, the focus being – going into my second training session when I'm still lagging, I'm still feeling a bit tired. Instantly, this I feel like my aches have gone. I feel just energetic. I feel energetic and all the brain fog's gone. And I that helps you to perform just by having that clear focus. So th- it, I, I now have you ever used those weed smokers? How it doesn't have any like carcinogenic come off, and it's like um, it's like an air, it's like an air heat, and it only heats the weed up to X amount. I I've seen it. It doesn't um, overboil it or overburn it, mm. um, and it allows the correct extraction temperature for taking out the THC. Well, they've done the same thing with the Kratom. So that the way that they're actually extracting it, then they're never going over or under a certain temperature and they're able to extract all of the good things without having to damage and burn off the leaf. Are they doing in this in Phuket or is yeah, this? Everything's done in Phuket here. And they have like a facility for they've that? They've got a facility. Yeah. Oh, okay, interesting. So they've got a go facility up. Out. They've just gone in talks with all the Thai government. So everything is above board. Like this yeah, is it has all, to be. Yeah. yeah, this is all legal um, and it's all new. And the best thing um, is, is they're also giving back to Thailand. So maybe some of these farms that have started to dry up in other ways, they're now becoming Kratom, like Kratom and weed uh, facilities. So it's completely changing the Thai people there. I truly believe that in the next year, that Thailand's going to be mass producing some of the best Kratom and weed in the world. What is the negative conversation with Kratom? Because can it be addicted or is that because maybe the people taking it are, uh, you know, taking kratom and smoking meth so maybe a bit different well i think well you've just said the word meth so yeah. we're no, pro- but I, we've gone down a yeah. slippery yeah, well, slope here mate so on the next podcast we're gonna smoke meth <laughs> Woo-hoo! 
Um, (laughs) Everything is addictive. But but I mean, I I think uh, it's popular with the Muay Thai (laughs) fighters uh, drinking Kratom. Um, but is there like a certain threshold where it can become addicted if you were to take too much and maybe what, what would that if dosage you were to be? Drink, if you are to drink too many of these, you're probably just going to have an adverse uh, reaction inside and go to sleep. See, you have one and you can get high. And then when you push past a barrier, you just want to go to sleep. Well, I, I <laughs> think so people understand maybe the term of saying you get high is, is that the best way to describe it? Or I mean, it's it's I shouldn't, like I should you, use something else. Yeah. Like like you said, you'll be taking it and going maybe sparring or going to the gym. Let's say sparring. Yeah. Do you find you're able to see the punches coming like much slower? You have more focus or well, what, what is your reaction? I just have more focus and I feel I just feel more present. And I think being more present allows you to see everything may can i say that things are slowing down and reaching the flow state yes in some regards can i say that's just because of the kratom i can say that yeah definitely i it helped get me to that point um but i think it's yeah having that focus allows you to slip into uh, a more ready state for training or sparring okay well let's see people can let us know in the comments how uh, maybe I change throughout the podcast. I won't notice it. <laughs> He's funner. I might drink. I might drink <laughs> He's another <heaps> bottle. Funner. <laughs> usually, usually, I need to take coffee. Like More cocaine. Oh, <laughs> that's my type of podcast. Let's go. No, I'm uh-huh. never going to be allowed on here again. <laughs> no, who cares? That's the best part when you don't have sponsors. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, There's no true. one to come yell at me after. <laughs> um, we'll get some funny comments. You're starting to get a lot of more trolls now, but I just ignore it. Yeah, trolls um, means you're yeah, doing something right. Yeah, it's who gives a <laughs> shit. Yeah, fuck the trolls. Yeah. Um, so, well, well, let's lead up to the fight with BKFC, but I kind of want to jump off before um, leaving you on that last podcast, and there, there's a little bit of, like, the unknown. Yeah. Um, this is even before kind of the BKFC uh, signing can you so again people people can go watch that podcast to understand where we left off and that's probably six eight months ago let's call yeah. it um after that podcast and you're signing with the with bkfc and leading up to your fight can you kind of uh walk us through what happened in your life oh my gosh do you mean like just before the bkfc fight uh, or before even when being, i last saw you before being signed even um, I think at that point you're at powerhouse and then obviously yeah. now you've moved to tiger and you're doing yeah. your training there, but even before BKFC and then getting signed with them. And then I do recall following you on Instagram, uh, and talking to you a little bit, um, a lot of fights, they were supposed to happen. They fell through. So yeah. kind of that fast story of what exactly happened over, let's say the past six, eight months of your life. Honestly, there was like five or six fights that I was told by my management that were happening and they never did or they never went went past a certain point. Um, and that can become super draining on the body. I'm sure everybody knows in this sport, there's only so many times in a season that the body can peak. So whether my management was doing that just to keep me holding on um, or whether they really did believe that I was um, having fights, all that it did was just put back from in my reg- in my eyes uh, putting putting back the ability to have the most um, efficient performance um, just because you want to be at the top you want your body to be at the top um, so that became draining just in itself mentally always 
I guess that's even stemmed from childhood. You know, you're always promised something taken away. And when it's just getting to these last moments, like I really truly think just before this BKFC fight, I was just about to crack. Like just at everyone, at anything, just because of the build-up. Um, actually had Paul, the Muay Thai technician from over at Powerhouse. He's like, you got blue balls for fighting. I was like, oh, <laughs> my God. And he's never been – like, I've never heard something so more right. Yeah, the blue ball's just a fight. And that tension kind of, like, crosses over into everything. So, yeah, from the last time I guess I saw you, it was mostly just being in camp, being out of camp, having that pressure over there. Um I finally felt like my striking had gotten to a certain level and I felt I needed something more boxing style to add to my Muay Thai slash football athleticism for BKFC. Um, so that's what I went in hunting and that's when I found Olidong Boxing. Um, he's a Thai man over at Kata. Um, amazing. He was actually got to be at my first fight too. He was cornering um, Dubai Dom. Um, so I think fine if after finding Ollie um, and then I was living back on the street, which is Tiger Muay Thai Street, the famous fight Not street. living on the street. Just no, <laughs> living on the, wasn't homeless living on the street. On the street. <laughs> no, but we've all been there, maybe. Um, so, no, I was back living on the Soy Thai Ed um, and I went to Tiger Muay Thai where I was doing the 930 combat stre- strength and conditioning and I felt that that program was perfect for, for my style. Um, I'm coming still from using the GATA program, which is um, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so I've been lifting with them for since my football days. So mostly, uh, yeah, mostly I guess gym hopping is one one way you can say it, but mostly it's just finding that boxing coach and learning what I can. And I think for everyone, until you reach your final team, I think you do that. I think, and I think also once you do find your final team, I think it's still important to cross train. And I think it's important to be able to experiment with other coaches and maybe hear what someone else is doing um, in boxing or Muay Thai and be able to adapt that to your own game. Um, That's something that I learned from being an electrician. I'd be on site and I could be beside the plumber. And I remember looking at some of their tools and watching them do things and thinking, wow, I could really apply that to when I'm running my own conduit. Why didn't I ever think of that? And why didn't the electricians ever, why is nobody doing this? You know, and I used to think back then, oh, wow, you know, I can apply all these other trades to my own trade and, and in making my art better. Um, and I think that, you know, I still apply the that same sort of theory in this. And I, I, I think everyone chucks on every single hat or mask from that they've collected since birth when, you know, when you're completing something to the best of your ability. Um, So, yeah, gym hopping for one, mostly just trying to find, yeah, where I fit and where I want to be. And that was was even all the way up until this BKFC fight. I had, in the end, a sponsored fighter, Javad. Um, He's the man. He uh, helped me get ready through my camp. Um, held pads, we worked on stuff every day. Um, man, he honestly, he he was just like the best savior. We could play Tiggy. He's about my same size. Obviously, men have 70% denser muscle fibers, so he's still stronger. But just having, I guess, a coach who was on that, who was in that same mentality where you can kind of rough each other up. Like the last thing, I don't think we could ever see someone punching back, um, you know, their their pad holder. But for Javad, like, that was one thing that we could really 
you know, like hone in on was just being able to yeah mess around and and play tiggy and and he's like um, the same size as your opponent as well yeah, like in and terms he of was. height he was yeah. he was about the same height so it just made it honestly couldn't have worked out better um but that's pretty much all i'd been doing like every day it was just two a days well yeah i mean gym hopping it can be a good thing as well because it can unlock a new perspective i mean something as simple as um driving from chalong to all the way up here ideas that that when you're in that flow state of mind over you're driving the motorbike and i'm sure a lot of people can relate to that living in phuket i'll do this personally on a sunday and uh, my girlfriend will be like well where are we driving where are we going i'm like nowhere She's yeah. like, but where? I'm like, we're going to go that way and we're going to loop around and come back. And what's interesting, those drives, um, because you do need to be focused as well. In a car, I find I don't get the same experience, but those drives, you could be working on a project for something specific, maybe related to boxing and something will click on that yes. drive. And you're 100%. like, ah, okay, I got to go do that. Now, sometimes during that drive, you'll just forget it and it comes up later. <laughs> but that is the good thing about gym hopping. And like you said, being an electrician, it's, leaving certain environments and going to new ones can unlock kind of new ideas that, you know, also uh, helps spark. you to just find new tools. Yeah. I think you can find certain coaches where you're like, Oh, right now for what I'm wanting. And for this periodized training section, like you're the tool, you're the hammer that I require to put in all these nails and, you know, get the job done. Um, yeah. I think, I just think it's important to be experience new things. When um, you were, um, now, before getting signed to BKFC, um, were there other promotions or organizations or sports in mind, meaning like your UFCs, your PFLs, your one championships, and then obviously you have bare knuckle BKFC, which is probably the most violent. Um, was there anything else on the horizon or were you kind of just waiting to see what came at you? I think I was just waiting to see what, how, how and what cards kind of fell on my lap. But I was more interested in BKFC and I'd had a few talks with some people because, you know, you need to set goals and kind of see where you're more aiming towards. And literally two weeks before BKFC rang me, I said, I said out loud with um, DC Mouthguards, I said I wanted to, you know, I wanted to fight in BKFC. I said, I, I don't know why, but I feel like I could be my normal villain self. I'm not going to be... Uh, told to shut up or you know maybe my life is a little bit too rough or I look a certain way I feel I felt that looking at BKFC and looking at the fighters that they were you know and the characters that they were bringing in I felt like that's where my character fits I feel like I don't want to be held back I want to be able to hold my own opinion whether it's liked by the crowds or not liked by the crowds and I feel that looking at some of the others I don't really fit the one championship traditional martial artist because I'm not even a traditional martial artist. I'm coming from football. That's not to say that I'm not a martial artist because guess what, ladies and gentlemen, I am. <laughs> we are doing martial arts, so I'm definitely a martial artist. Um, and I think a martial artist is just a way of life. I think that's showing that discipline and dedication to your art. So I feel like there's more people who are martial artists out there as well. Um so, no, I really wanted to be BKFC. That's what I wanted. And what, what that's is, what I got. Because this podcast, we have a lot of people there. I, I try to keep it as diverse as possible. So anyone out there listening and they might not understand BKFC. Now, most understand UFC, let's say. It's, it's easy to understand in terms of that MMA. 
What is the culture of BKFC? What is BKFC in your opinion? I feel like BKFC has that element of like showbiz with WWE. I feel like, you know, they've got these just crazy characters that, and I know a couple of them of uh, Big Warren Thompson. Everyone thinks that he is completely fake and puts on this act. Homeboy is just a redneck. <laughs> like he's just the biggest mullet wearing redneck man that you could ever meet. And just to even that as an example, like these car everyone's just so more themselves. And you just you I just feel like a lot of opinions can be changed or I guess people hold them you know, people do hold themselves a different way when they're in different sports. Um like in football culture, we have to wear, you know, suit and tie when, when entering the game or leaving the game. Just small things like that can, I don't know, can show how they want you to present themselves. You understand what the sponsors want you to say. And I I don't know, I really just feel that in BKFC, yeah, we're the number one growing combat sport in the world. And I do feel that it is because we we are a bit more like WWE, is a bit more show pony. And evidently, people want to see blood. Like, let's go back to the Roman times. Like, people, we all strangely love to sit around and, oh, good golly, oh, show noses across her face. What a good one, you know? Like, people love to watch violence. They love to watch the world burn. <laughs> they want to watch blood. <laughs> Is there a major difference between the American promotion and the ones you're having in Thailand, or they're just different venues? They're just different venues. So it's just like how someone would sell off like a Starbucks franchise. Um, that's that's kind of like what they've done. They have um, their own owners out here in Thailand, but they're still the small, the baby brother of David Feldman's because they're still branched. It's still umbrellaed. Um, they had to earn their stripes to show David that they can be brought in. Um, and what they would want to do with his baby as well. And because uh, Nick Chapman has, you know, he's earned these stripes, he's now flying over and talking with David, and a lot more is happening uh, for the cross-promotion of the shows and even having the help of, you know, the main page. That wouldn't have happened if they didn't prove to them by show. Th you know, the third show was one of the biggest shows in the world. We had Borkow on. Mm. You know, this is – that's am amazing. I think the viewers – one doesn't one FC doesn't ha that have more viewers than what UFC can actually bring in? Isn't yep. that correct? Mm -hmm. So now we've got BKFC Thailand. BKFC Thailand is on free to air, and we're also through everywhere through America and the BKFC app. So we actually have more numbers watching the BKFC Thailand show than what we do just the BKFC like the original. Um, everything can be seen on the BKFC app. So please, everyone. Please download go to the, the app. Download the app and please don't ask me because I will not even open your message anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so they're trying to get like a free <laughs> link. I don't know. I don't. I'm just like, man, I got to fight tomorrow, and I see these messages of people saying, "Can you send me the link? Can I get it?" Oh no, God. what the hell, bro? I got shit to do. And I shouldn't be on my phone. This is my fault anyway. Yeah, Goodbye. You're gonna need yeah someone to manage the social media. Then I'm sure it Maybe. gets overwhelming as well. Um. On that note, you, you had your fight in BKFC. You're on the same card as Bukow. Yeah. Um, did you get to meet him? What was that a whole experience like <laughs> from let's like leading up to the fight itself? Uh, it was it was awesome to see. I think you can tell his that this is just another show for him. Um, he was just so relaxed. He kind of 
he was always just dove into his phone and I kind of sometimes like maybe I'm a bit old school and way too mumsy or big sister but there was times I felt like I really wanted to hit bull cow over the head and be like get in line and like put some energy into it like you've got this he holds this crazy energy about him and when he wants to let it rip he's like ah you know and we can all feel him like you can feel him when you're not even in the room now that's someone with some crazy vibration but to then to see him he and he must know like he holds that special thing because people want to see whatever he's doing and I just felt when he was disengaged I just really wanted to be like get your during like the press conference. Yeah, during the press conference. Yeah. Like get involved. Like people are here for you. They don't give a shit about the rest of us. Like they want to see you. So I thought it was kind of fun. Did you get like an interaction with him? Because I'm I'm assuming a lot of, of those guys like Bukau and Sanchai, um, obviously their English is probably not even at like a communication level. I think he is. I think he's got uh, good enough English where they, you know, he can have basic conversations and be able to talk. Because um, he was quite funny with his answers in the press conference, even playing off the fact that, you know, he didn't overly know English. He was like, okay, 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 you know, and it's yeah. you've got that, like, really good banter. Um, but no, honestly, I think Borkow is – I think he, I think he did an amazing job. Like, when he goes to fight, um, he's still got – he's still had elements of, you know, of the word cry – when he came out for the BKFC and I thought that was really special. I felt like that was something he, he literally had a standing ovation just doing his walkout into the ring. Um, he, Yeah, like I said, I think he had amazing energy. I think he's perfect for the show. I think maybe he just needs a PR person to be like, hey, this one's uh, being filmed the entire time. This isn't just... You know, yeah, it's not just Thai TV. This isn't just Thai TV. So yeah. we need you, you know, I maybe he didn't realize that this is one that was global and everywhere. But honestly, the entire press conference was just surrounding him. Every question that came on online, um, which it was crazy to me to learn that every American knows Borkow and Sanchai, which shows like I'm still new to the fight world, so I'm still learning all these names and to have people go, you don't know who Sanjay is? You didn't know who Borkow is? And they're actually – so that's Muay Thai. Muay Thai is even less exposed than what boxing is. Or Yeah, Muay Thai is – I've recently gone down, like, the history of Muay Thai route. Oh, wow. Just, just for fun, like, going, getting lost in it. You should have Johnny Betts from Tiger on for that. He's an awesome fighter. Mm. Um, he's one of the sponsored fighters, but he can tell you some history, like – that's with the Muay Thai culture. I think uh, meeting these sorts of people through the gym, it's helped, just gives more, you know. Um, yeah, it gives more. Yeah, especially like sport. that whole golden era, which is before Bokao uh, and Sanchai. It's, uh, I was watching, have you seen the movie? It's called The Prayer Before Dawn with Billy Moore. No. It's on Netflix. It's about the UK guy um oh. that was in, had to fight his way out of jail and he's all fucked up same, on yabba yeah but, but isn't that the same guy that actually fought on the card he fought dubai dom i know i based I, yes they said I, that that guy Billy fought Moore. his way you need to bring up that card he fought his way out that there's that movie is actually based off of his story where he fought his way um with muay thai out of the type well this guy's got to be about 50 plus now Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He's so, definitely forties, so, for sure. Yeah, but I think he, I'm. I'm not sure if it was him, but it's when, when you're when you're watching those movies, they there's a lot of like famous Thai actors on there. O obviously, we wouldn't know, but they also have like 
um, golden era Muay Thai fighters on there, a guy named, uh, I believe it's Kam Singh. Um, and then you go back and you kind of go down those rabbit holes and you start to learn mm -hmm. about them. And then you start watching old footage. Oh, and cool. it's interesting to watch Muay Thai because it, it's a little bit different. Like if you were to look at old footage of UFC today and took a fighter and put them against someone today, there's just not a chance. Like, yeah. They're not winning. They're no but winning. those guys in the golden era, like that style hasn't changed drastically. Like, so that's where it's it's interesting to watch the footage because like that guy could compete today if he's still you know maybe was a bit younger yeah um so i'm still kind of going down those rabbit holes and starting to learn names and and even just living in thailand i think it's mm. uh, a good opportunity to you know get involved in the culture a little bit more because i'm not going anywhere so yeah this me is either. It. Um, to learn. leading up with your fight now um did you do a lot of research into the into the fight and how did you prepare yourself? Are you studying tape? Or once you hear, okay, I have a fight booked, it's for BKFC, it's going to be in Bangkok, how do you prepare yourself for those fights? Mostly for me, it was just getting the pad work in um, and just making sure that my conditioning was there. So I um, had to work on... I learned from Sean Cobra, which is the S&C coach from Tiger. I learned about the energy systems and how you can specifically target these energy systems um, with the Aerodyne bike. Um, so I was doing, after learning that, I was doing one to two sessions of that on top of just pad sessions. Um, honestly, a million push-ups, sit-ups, getting punched in the stomach, lifting the weights. Um, it wasn't until I actually had my coach I had Javad show me me flexing and goes hey this is what your back look like and I was like holy moly I was like that's the sick that's the hundred push-ups that you were making me do every day while holding plank like I'm literally, literally crying and I remember thinking like I'm never gonna do 60 push-ups <laughs> as well as like holding planks but he was right because my back was strong so just those extra additions that you should be doing at the end. And every good fighter is doing sit-ups and push-ups after their training sessions anyway. Um, so mostly the print preparation, it was just dialing in on my food, uh, dialing in more on my sleep, uh, dialing in on just being positive and starting to separate my things from anything that made me feel anything low. Um, having some of my friends come over to just give me support um, just because, yeah, you're f sometimes just feeling off. You're a bit weak. Um, and then, yeah, mostly it was just working and, and doing everything with Javad. I had one of um, my Australian managers over, Steve Scanlon. He organised to have me wingman and follow uh, an Australian boxer and then work with an Australian boxing coach just for the week that he was here, just to have um, – because Javad was Muay Thai. So I had that mo more Muay Thai – base um we both felt that in coming into this fight this girl was a muay thai fighter she i actually found out after she's also in their a boxing um for, for their national teams and is actually a quite a big deal for the boxing world for thailand um she'd had 40 ko's 80 fights um and we we knew obviously experience she had a lot more experience than me but for this fight we really just felt that i just need to be strong i need to be strong and that was the mantra was I need to be mentally strong and I need to be strong and I, I need to show that how strong I am. Um, and I really feel that that's exactly what we showed. Um, but yeah, honestly, everything was mostly just a lot more tiggy, a lot more 
just dialing in, taking the gloves off, n- not having gloves as much because one, when you've got the 12 ounces or the 16 ounces, 16 ounces, you're throwing different because you've got something super heavy. So we found uh, just playing those tiggy games where we're tagging each other's chin or cupping the ear was enough to really hone in on that target practice. Um, and what about the... Now, you're training at Powerhouse and Tiger before, and mm-hmm. it's pre- predominantly at the, before this fight, It's I'm assuming you're of in a course, Muay Thai I've stance. For sure. And that, when I was, I was lucky at Powerhouse because they knew that I, would, at that time, wanted to do more MMA. And Jack Lowe is, is really... Oh man, he's so amazing at being able to read and look at someone's body mechanics. He's coming here as a chippy. So he's really good at that, you know, problem solving and mechanical problem solving. And also smart enough and open-minded enough where he goes, okay, we're teaching you Muay Thai. We can teach you these things, but this is your stance. So how about you just go with what's best for you and then we can just show you some other other tools. Um, Because, yeah, Powerhouse, I actually had Tommy who held pads for me all through COVID. He was one of my sponsors. I chucked him on my sleeves and I'll do that forever because, yeah, through through that time, it was just us locked up in a gym. Um, yeah, it was just us. And they literally taught me from either what I learned in the jungle and then they just, they really honed me. They, every day I was hitting pads and becoming more a striker. So, yeah, I, I did thank those guys. I probably should send another message to Jack, for which he will ignore. Um, <laughs> but, no, he'll, yeah, I've got huge thanks to, yeah, Eddie and Brooke as well. Um, if Eddie, Brooke, Tommy and, and Jack. Yeah, did, they're off in uh, I did Mexico everything now, under yeah. them. Um, so, outside of that, it was still a small influence from Phuket Fight Club and Oli Dong Boxing. Um, and then, yeah, really the rest was just playing violent tiggy with javad that journey was there like and i'm assuming obviously it's more of a rhetoric question of yeah. your ups and downs but i mean of the unknowns before bkfc training for what like most people said during covid oh my God. i mean emotionally your headspace with the unknown like what were some of those days that you were going through and how did you get through them um oh man that made me feel emotional there were some days where you just think, is this actually fucking happening? Like, what the fuck? Literally. Um, so, and then even in those moments where I'm like, okay, another fight got pulled or that I get the promise of you get to come back to Leanne in America. Um, you get to go home. You're just like, oh, you're literally ripping like <laughs> my heart out every time something was going wrong or having to move, yeah, to, I guess, another gym to continue to learn. Um, and the only way to get through that is to get the fuck up and go to training, <laughs> you know. And by having, I think we're, we're habitual creatures, you know. We like, I like patterns. I like, I like finding the most efficient process for myself and then just making it better or, you know, whether it's food, supplements, training, humans, I think um, in every moment I can see everything is either feeding me negatively or feeding me positively. Um, And in those days where I'm crying my eyes out, just wondering what the hell I'm going to do, I would just get back up and go to training and just know that that was the answer. What was your North Star, though? I mean, I guess the analogy for me is uh, relating it to Thailand. I know what I got to do. 
And as long as you just stay in your lane, all the shit coming sure. into it eventually just goes away. It does. What was your North Star to stay in your lane? Um, because I knew, I knew, I've always, I don't know, I always say, I'm like, I know who I am and I know where I'm going. And even though sometimes I look at me, they go, where are you going? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but deep down, like, there was a couple of coaches who could look at me, Coach Galemi, Coach Gee, he's like, he goes, you know where you're going. You're just too humble. And I, I would be like, yeah, I know. But it doesn't matter. Where are you going? To the top. And how can that, now, would that be BKFC related? Or BKFC, can that be life, the backyard, to the fridge, like everything. I'm going to be at the top because I don't stop. I don't quit and now I feel that I've got all this karma coming back like so many times. Good karma, obviously. Good karma, yes. of course. Like karma's coming, good or bad, she's coming. Um, and for me, I feel like after just even getting into the fight, like all the way up until, it wasn't until I was going up the stairs and they were like, you know, put on a show, put on a show. And there was something in me that was just like, no, there's work to be done, bitch. Like shut up you know and there was just like this silence good moment where i was just like i am <laughs> invincible i am on top of the world no one can stop me and after this everyone's gonna have to listen and i'm going to be everywhere there isn't going to be anywhere where you cannot see me and that's literally <laughs> what happened so i'm really sorry that i wished that on everybody <laughs> but um yeah i think there was just a final realization moment that I just did not stop through tears, through having to move, through no money, th from living on the concrete floor, from running away from a Thai gym to another gym. Um, it was all worth it because I was able to perform. And yeah, like I said, I've always, my mantra is just, I know where I'm going and I know, you know, I know who I am. Um, and maybe that's in moments where you, you really don't know but your soul knows. I don't know how to explain it, but even that pulled for every day when I was waking up in America and I'm sleeping in the gym or I'm sleeping in my car. And, of course, for anyone else, I could have just quit, go back to Australia, gone back to being an electrician and thermographer. And I can do that at any moment in time. And I think whether it's – what is it? But you don't, you don't look at that as a safety net. Do you that's just kind of – that's net. not happening. That's not happening. Because until whatever feeling or wherever this is leading to, until that's gone, I will just continue to just like a bloody robot just walk what forward. For uh, a, B a BKFC athlete, um, can you explain a little bit about the structure of the divisions and is it work similar to UFC in terms of a ranking system? And when, like, how, like, what do you see the roadmap of your career in that promotion? How would that work? Well, I'm glad for one that they've just decided to write me in, <laughs> write me into the storyline because I've found that in most um, sports, they still have like a storyline and a storyboard. Um, I feel for this, of course, with the changing, um, we've got Christina Freria. She's completely taken over and this is her time to be the, the top of the 125-pound division. I think eventually that means her and Beck Rawlings will – I mean, sorry, Beck uh, Rodriguez will fight because that has to happen because um, it was only COVID that left them apart. Um, but then I also don't know how that's if that will happen because I think Be they had Beck as the loss um, versus Britain Hart. Um, 
I don't know too much about the the weight classes for the men's. I know that for the women's, we've now just also started the one fifteen division. And they'll give, but they will rank you, and that those come out similar. Is it kind of? Th- I'm assuming that BKFC it would be a global ranking, but when they do them, it seems to be only everyone who's been competing in America. So maybe this has changed now because the. F- the two are starting to get a little bit more cozier with business. Um, but that would be a Nick Chapman question. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Nick would definitely know that for sure. Um, or Yeah, I wouldn't know. I can't answer Well, you've, really. you've kind of written your own story, I think, and especially <laughs> what happened in, in the last fight. Uh, I'm... I've watched a bunch of the the podcast. You're probably podcasted out by now. You got to be tired <laughs> from the media. I mean, uh, overnight I saw wow, she went from 40,000 to 120,000 followers. And like this this type of hype, it's short-lived for the time, but let's ride that hype train. So everyone should ride a hype train. Absolutely. But also after that, I'm not just someone who's flashed their tit, you know, and not even that. I think for everybody who's really my friend, they're just like, oh gosh, Ty, she's lucky she wasn't like, ah, like just doing something even more crass just to, mm. you know, get that emotion like pulled out of someone. Um, but there's so much more to me, like whether it's my journey to getting here, whether it's being motivating, how I live my life, there's more to then scratches the surface after just a pop titty because that's just the start, you know. I that's already me. I'm already planning to be like, ha, ha, ha. like they've literally said I can do what I want. Mm, what else do I want to do? Because I'm going to do it, and it's going to annoy you, or you're going to love it. So, well, it's interesting. <laughs> like, whatever. We, we got we maybe maybe there's a connection between the the Australian ties and doing something wild after a fight. Whether it's Tai Tuivasa grabbing a shoey and that's his calling card, <laughs> or yours might be a little bit different. <laughs> Um, there, there are upcoming fights with, uh, the Sanchai card. I've put my name down for that. And most likely, would would you, uh, physically be ready to be able to get on that card and have that type of turnaround, just especially coming after, um, that type of preparation and going through a fight. Now, obviously you didn't take any serious injuries. No, nothing too serious. Um, but I think next week I'd like to start going and get some, um, some ultrasounds or something just to move that last bit of fluid or maybe the tension that, you know, the hands are so delicate. So I feel, I feel that there'll be a lot of stuff will be wrapped around. I don't know. That's like the visuals I feel in my head. So of course I have to look at my health first and my hands, because if you can't perform, then there's no point in risking something and you may as well just be on a later card. But I think December could be such a perfect time to get back out there. I think, uh, you know, to have a couple of weeks completely off, and then be able to, you know, get sort of straight back into it. I think why not? And I think that would be good for myself, one, to show, you know, I'm going to beat the next bitch and the next bitch and the next bitch and the next bitch. And I think that's the most important um, for right now, especially after what's just been created um, overnight. The internet can do some crazy things, hey? Yeah. Well, I mean, (laughs) it's people don't realize, like, like you went again, forty thousand to one hundred and twenty thousand followers, yeah, but like the world is huge, something. and like yeah, you can get these hits like that. Um, more specific, like uh, this is probably more like uh, curious as, as a fan and watching BKFC. The so in Muay Thai, people will do preparation for their shins, and they do that. Well, the Thais do that from the age of six. So by the time yeah. they get 
to 20, they've basically got baseball bats for shins. Nice. But is there anything you can do for your hands for preparation so when you step into the ring, you have a less likely chance to maybe to break a knuckle, a finger? I think, one, it's knowing when to protect your hands and when to wrap them. Um, and I think in I was doing two-a-days, and in one of the sessions, I would only just wrap the wrists. I was only ever using my six-ounce um, gloves that were from either Twins or Be Legend. Um, and I would... Yes, I would only be wrapping my hands that were similar to the tape. Um, and I just think being able to get used to hitting with no with nothing. Um, because we, I don't know, I feel like we get used to just wanting to smash this pad and smash this glove. And then when you take that off and the first time you do it, you're like, what? And you're like, oh, man, shouldn't have done that. Um, so just learning... You, you're learning your own power because you had you do have to back it off a little bit when you you've got no gloves on. Um, so I think it's important to hit like paddles or the smaller um, the smaller focus mitts. I think that it's important to you know do that with a lot less um, wraps wraps. Uh, and when and you're is the is now is the grip different? Uh, is there are you aiming for a certain knuckle? Like can you talk more about two. like the mechanics and the technique? So from what what I have learned is. You don't ever want to hit with these two out here because it's these bones. So uh, anyone listening to audio, it's kind of your ring and pinky finger knuckles. And the in here is the easiest for it to break. So you're always wanting to aim, and the structure with that goes having the most stability with your wrist and hand is smashing with these two knuckles. So your index and your middle finger, and obviously now your middle is is going to be it's going to be the strongest. Yeah, coming across this this one is. I can't wait to see what happens when all this information. It's going to be so huge because it was already so big. No, that's great. Mm. That's is that's it building it up? Yeah, like, it's building like it up. Dagger in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I'm like, yes, my precious. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what about your thumb? Does it? How how is your thumb coming in so you avoid breaking that as well? Well, I think I think having the no gloves is way better because. What I've learned, my friend Jesse, he, Jesse Sanchez, he makes a heap of gloves. Um, he actually has a warehouse down near Boxer World um, and has that going. And he taught me that on some gloves, the thumb is sitting up high and then on some, they sew it down low. And he said some, they have it as short, a short thumb and others, they have it as the long thumb. Um, so obviously that would come down to individual's hand, but that's, that when he when he mentioned that, that's when I started realizing when I would do overhands or hooks. Sometimes I was clipping my thumb, and I actually didn't even hit my thumb at all when I was wearing no gloves. So I feel that it's usually just the, you know, maybe you need to change the style of glove if if you're someone who's always kind of hurting your thumb. Are you, when you're throwing a hook or an overhand right, um, are you trying to connect with the knuckle as well, or can it also kind of turn into a club? No, you're not allowed to hammer fist in okay. BKFC. Okay. So. Whoa, whoa, there's rules here. Whoa. We <laughs> have rules. We. <laughs> Wait a minute. Whoa, hammer fist? No, God, no. God, vulgar. <laughs> of, of all things. Wait a minute. You can you can bash their head in, but no hammer fists. <laughs> why why did they do that? They said no hammer fists and they said no backwards flinging. Spinning back arms? No spinning back arms. Are they trying to maybe avoid, like, so you're not connecting with a forearm? I or? think maybe that as well as uh, the elbows. Because a lot at one stage, we I was even trying to yeah. learn and thinking, okay, cool, I can be blocking. And then maybe they could, like, yeah. punch. 
But they've said they highly want people to like not do this um, just because if somebody goes in and then you elbow their head, that's a big no. So they said you can block like this, but obviously if you hit their head, that's going to be a point against you. So you're better off not doing that. And also we're in Thailand, so it's that's such a natural thing. We did have, uh, I think it was the first or second fight, the guy fully kneed or kicked his yeah. opponent. So that just shows you, like I said to everyone, I'm like, this girl's had 80 Muay Thai fights. And I was like, so she's disciplined. She's an amazing Muay Thai fighter. She's had way more fights. And I said, but what is someone's strength? It's also the, their biggest weakness. So knowing that someone is a strong, strong Muay Thai fighter, you know that their stance may open up, their guard may open up. But you also know that it's so much more natural for them to throw elbows, to throw knees, to teep when they're in that, like, you know, fighting state because they you still want to win. Is, is that why you you really focused on getting the uppercut through? Because usually that's the easiest one to get through a Muay Thai fighters like when their hands for sure because like their this. hands were up. Right. Um, I'd been practicing my uppercut from John Boy. I re I'd really love to watch John Boy. He's got every champion come through um, with him from Anatoly to all the one championship boys. Petra Young. Yeah, there, um, he's got some Fabrizio. Fabrizio. Um, I get to watch a lot of those guys when, when I ask and can sit and just really learn and learn the mechanics. Um, so I really, I've never, everyone always says, oh, the uppercuts are the hardest to throw. And when the uppercut and the left hook came there, on, honestly, it was just, it wasn't even me. It was something, you know. It well, the distance control, else. I mean, because of Muay Thai, there's no kicks. I mean, you guys are engaged much more and that's what the, they want to be KFC. Yeah. So that distance control, your foot, your foot stance, it's completely different. And um, was that easy for you to adjust, especially like training basically Muay Thai nonstop <laughs> for the past couple of years? I think I've, I really feel that I didn't really take on the Muay Thai stance. I think I always kind of used it for how I wanted to because I was like you said, at powerhouse. Yeah, I was yeah. I was at powerhouse, and they really, they knew that uh, it's not really something that I was going to listen to anyway. Um, <laughs> no, but I I preferred boxing and, and MMA, so I was at powerhouse for for a period of time, and that was just to make sure. I still think now that they've got one of the better striking places uh, in Phuket. I think um, just because they they're coaches to numbers, I think their classes. I think. You know, I think it yeah. seems more very family oriented. Yeah, it's more, yeah. The music is the best. <laughs> <coughs> the music is better, and yeah, it is more of a family vibe. And you've got, yeah, like I said, you've got more coaches and more and more ties helping um, to the head co head count. Yeah, and there's a, l a lot of, I mean, guys like Paul. Uh, I Paul yeah. fought on one of our cards, which is Muay Thai and Mushrooms. We're, we'll bring that back one day. <laughs> I mean, this guy, he is a technician. He did you technician. take a lot from him when you were, you know, when you were I working? Did. I did, and I also, he was at the fight. They come up and said thank you to me, and I, I said, I obviously said thank you. I was like, hey, I want to thank you for the times that, you know, you would either teach me something or pull me aside and, and give me that knowledge. I, I really hope that, you know, there's been a lot of people who have either given me a free meal, given me some money, Given me somewhere to sleep, somewhere to train. Given me knowledge, put my done my hair for me. You know, there's so many people that have done small acts of kindness, and I I really feel like I just I really showed them that you know it never went to waste. Everyone that's ever done anything small, I really showed them that just that small act, like can eventually like yeah, change someone's life. When we first connected, you had 
many sponsors helping you out from the and let's talk a little bit about them as well while yeah. we can give them a bit of a shout out so from the Thank let's you, say Kendra Lust. so we have i do see her flesh toys out i don't know if this is the audience for that this this audience <laughs> see, they don't get to decide what they get to listen to we decide so uh, why don't we go through the let's call it the the Ty Emery sponsorship run i don't know <laughs> Whatever, I, I'm not wording it. Uh, maybe the, the focus is falling off now. You know what I found from this drink before we do that? I've never noticed the you screen too. behind you. And it's just like, I think I'm going to have a seizure. It's just like, dish, dish, dish. So, like, I'm super dialed into the screen. I <laughs> no, I feel like you're a little more chattier. That's why I'm like, hee hee. Yeah, we, like, we got him. Yeah, no, it's it definitely spirit it works. I thought it was going to give a bit of a feeling of, you know, when something might be too strong and you can get a bit of anxiety from yeah. it. You don't get that no. from this. That's why I like it. Because sometimes even there's only certain coffees that I like. Um, and then also some of the energy drinks. Also sugar. Certain sugars now, especially after being in camp. I can feel when they're completely giving me anxiety. I love a good Cheyenne tea. And now <laughs> just the condensed milk alone, I'm it's triggering me to feel anxiety. But these ones don't. And there's no like crash. Like I said, if you drink too many, Do you Do they affect just your appetite? Sleep. Like reduce your appetite? I found when I took one, I, I, I'm a big eater by like, because mm -hmm. I'm only eating lunch and dinner. And the one time I took it, I found by dinner time... My appetite was reduced, maybe because yeah. it has an opiate. How many? How many had you drank that day? Uh, just just the one. one. Just oh one. wow! I just felt like of I course. wasn't as hungry, but also, yeah. it's like if you were to smoke weed or do any type of drug. When it, it was the first time yeah. ever, it's always the strongest. First time's the best time for <laughs> all drugs. Maybe not everything, but not everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so my appetite was it was felt reduced, and that's I guess you can usually get that from uppers, but it's an yeah. opiate, so it's still know. an o like it's still an opiate. Yeah. So it still uh, has a drug in it that. So maybe it's good <laughs> it's for very cutting very cutting strong. weight as well. Oh well, it is of course. I think it's good for cutting weight, mostly just because I I sweat you want to keep so drinking the much. other one. Yeah, drink the green one. Well, let's test it out. <laughs> just oat. Let the I first love it at the OD. start. You're like, oh, I'm not going to drink any Well, now I'm, I'm all dialed and, in oh, and it was, no. start, it was starting to wear off. So I'm going to keep going at it. <laughs> um, yes, yes. Whoa, Hans just gave me a look like easy. <laughs> Hans, don't lose this podcast. He's like, she's, this is the he's one. just being cool in I'm front of the girls. Really? The purple one. I was dialed in a second ago until that TV almost gave me a seizure. <laughs> These are the best. Honestly, I've been drinking Kratom. I got back from Bangkok and Michael's like, do you need anything when we come to get you from the airport? I was like, hell yeah. You're going to pack some of them Kratoms because my yeah. body hurts. <laughs> You're going to have that for me when I get off the plane. And it's more, um, it's just with the inflammation or is it similar to like, uh, I don't know, like a painkiller? It is similar to a painkiller because opiates are used in painkillers. So. Ah. Uh, this is obviously a, a lot safer and it's more natural. Um, but yeah, I've found that it helped with my headaches. It helped me. It's like, look at this. <laughs> it's only been one week. How? I so almost, if we, I don't know. Everything's almost in. back to normal. There's a QR code there. They won't be able to see that. How, how could people find this if they want to also, and, and this is, it's readily available in Phuket and Thailand. Yes. And it's soon to be marketed. We've, the, we've got the guys, um, selling it in Seven Eleven. So oh that's shit. huge, yeah. um, especially for Thailand. Like this is such a national drink. Um, I will say um, I usually take in and give them uh, to a heap of the Thai trainers. 
they're not too chuffed about the flavor just because they're so used to, you know, and I'm like, oh, I know. you like that Coca-Cola cuff syrup dank, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, this one, one of them has like honey, ginger, turmeric. It um, tastes more like tea. Yeah, it's a tea. Yeah, it tastes like a tea. It's a, sh- it's a good, strong tea. Oh, it's good. Let's see. Maybe I'll become a, I'll, I'll try it training one day again. You should definitely come out and have a look. I'm sure the guys just yeah because for sure. You're you're brainy, you know. You're a brainy and intelligent, and you love. I don't know about that. Yeah, you are. Yes, you are. Don't. Ons is like no. <laughs> no, yeah, but just to, I think I love seeing the the process, and uh, um, I love getting to talk to Mark and Michael and seeing, you know, how they're making it better, and I think it's amazing to know that. Okay, cool. So we can extract this and get more out of like more benefits out of this plant by only bringing it to boil at, at this rate. And I think that's an interesting thing because it's still such a, it's, it's just like going back in time where they did the ayahuasca, the ayahuasca and for some reason the shaman got told to go collect this branch yeah. and then go collect this branch and then you will boil them together. Like how do, how do you even get to that point? And you're like, I don't know. My brain said just Try, it's yeah, trial give it a and go. Error. Yeah. Trial and error. Yeah, I've always wondered that one. The ayahuasca one, that's a crazy story. Because it's yeah. two random plants. and you know Two completely random plants. I don't plants. know how they figured that out. No. But to be honest, yeah, this is it's been so much better. I've smoked less weed even. Um, and I think that's better through the day. Through, you know, through the day. I'll never quit weed, of course. Oh, yeah. But hey, um, but no, I really love having these better than my morning coffee. Um, the hardest thing coming back after Bangkok was the worst day was the day I was getting off coffee, just the caffeinated headache. I felt like someone just put a pin and was trying to cut me open. And I thought, oh my gosh, what the hell? Coffee is worse th- to me than bloody couldn't try is punched in my face yeah coffee is i i went off it for like three years and now i'm back on it again and like i can't even like i can't i go to well we go train at bang tao muay thai and mma at like 9 a.m and do their hit class but like i there's no i can't do class is that is that like a cycle or is that like i guess it's bali um where it's pad work no no no, it's it's high intensity interval training so okay it will be like um you know, they might have like five stations or six stations and then you're maybe like uh, one minute on and 20 seconds off and oh, you just go around. Tabata. Yeah, it's a, and that could be one class and then another one like uh, they'll be, I don't know, uh, uh, they'll do the countdowns. So it's like they'll have six stations, maybe oh, okay. ones like squats with the barbell, okay. rows, whatever. Is this and Woody? It's Woody, yeah. Oh, nice. Woody is in there. Uh, well, he, he's doing the class with Som and then Shaw's in there. Oh, yeah. Days. So Som's running them. She's got Som, great yeah. energy. So it's like Som, Woody, and Shaw. Because the, the classes are getting big now. I mean, yeah. when we started going, it was maybe 20 people. And now today was probably 50. Wow. Yeah. But they're expanding. They're building That's the gym. Crazy so crazy numbers. It, it's good. They're, That's more I mean, numbers than Tiger. And it, it, oh, oh. Oy, <laughs> <ey>. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh... <laughs> But they're expanding the gym. They're actually building. Yeah, stir in the pot. <laughs> stir in the pot. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna have someone showing up at my door here. <laughs> not at my door in in Cata Beach. Wait, yeah. front on me. I don't give a shit. Yeah. My, my, my 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 podcast is in Cata. <laughs> yeah. No. I'm I'm driving the white car out the front. Yeah. <laughs> if you really <laughs> no this one's is coming. Going yeah, no, I'm sure they Too much good Tom. <laughs> yeah, loose lips sink white cars. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh I'm joking. God. Um we were talking a bit about 
BKFC and like what could be next for you. And um, do you foresee yourself, would you ever get into some uh, like MMA or, or BKFC type of commentating? Would that be a job I in the future? I would love that. And I think that would be interesting. Um, I've always thought that I wanted to be maybe something more on the sideline or getting to speak to a lot of the fighters before or after. One, because I am a fighter. Two, I feel like, I feel like a, a strong but caring sort of um, energy can be taken a little bit differently when you're in those like very high extreme uh, scenarios. Um, I'm really super calm in those times and I also have a, a very like calming nature um, for people uh, as well. So I would love to be able to talk to people on that sort of emotional front. I think getting something different out of people um, we want to see raw. We want to see, you know, mm -hmm. people. that's what we want to see that. Well, and plus you're here. You have the experience. I mean, you've been on camera for the past 10 years. I mean, yeah, you're in LFL. Easy 10 years, so it's, yeah. it's something you're comfortable doing as well. Yeah. Now you came out on stage. You're stunning. <laughs> you, you killed it. <laughs> um, yeah. we were talking killed about it. that before the podcast and can you explain what kind of pushed you to come out and, and really take, you know, the press conference uh, look as a female fighter to another level? And what are you doing specifically for that entire, um, well, we'll let you chat about that. Um, okay, one, I do, I think it's super important to be able to show all parts of yourself. And for me, I'm very masculine and I'm very feminine. Um uh, for the press conference, I actually had my friend Joe, who's a playmate from the Philippines. Um, when you're getting to be in those positions, you're also super guided. She's had super guidance in either uh, just styling as well. Um, so I was really lucky for my press conference that I had someone, um, had my playmate um, bestie Joe, help pick something that could make me si like bring a professional look, but also something that was still super feminine. Um, then I, with Laura and my actual fight uniform, I did, I wanted something a little bit more girly, but warrior. Um, um, and then, yeah, from future, I actually have Sandra Winter, the label. She's, uh, been in Vogue, um, and well as London GQ, I believe. Um, so what I want is just to be able to make sure that the product, me being me, uh, can be presented and take something to a new level and marketing and you know how we are a walking billboard I think it's important to have the right look and I don't want to have to be worrying about those things to be honest I really want to be able to be focused on training and that's it I think I think when everything else can be cut out and everything on your head is just about the fight it just makes performing so much easier because I'm not doing a million other jobs I'm just focused on one um, but where I want to be able to take this and whether it's traveling to America the clothes um, even with Boxer World I'll be bringing out I think three or four designs of shorts um, now it, this is for a brand or or this will kind of be a collaboration how is that going to work exactly that one would be a collaboration where I'm, I'll be bringing Sandra with me as well just because if you've got an expert I'm not an expert in choosing patterns i'm not an expert at fabrics um and i'm not an expert on yeah on designing um i can say things that i like and i think definitely have a better influence on how i guess mechanically the shorts can you know can mm. be worn 
But when it comes to design, I think that you should leave things to the experts. So I'm so lucky I have Sandra. Sandra Winter, the label, everyone check them out. Um, we're going to be doing very, very big things. Um, yeah, like I said, bringing out clothing. Um, obviously, all the OnlyFans, which you'll have well, to subscribe. Well, we, we could we can cut and we can talk about it a little bit. And if you want to. Yeah. Kind of. Okay, one sec. So we're, we're going to cut. We're going to bring her on. And let's just chat a little bit about the the concept behind the brand and and something that has kind of been untapped in the bare knuckle but even more importantly mma female um space that that's really not even it's not there at the moment and we are talking about that downstairs so we'll be back in a second 